As you progress in an eastward direction from the Gulf of Paria, you will happen upon Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago, a city ripe with sights and sounds that in a unique sense defines the West Indies. Trinidad and Tobago has given birth to soca music, a genre that is yet to be discovered by the world's masses. However, the pace at which it is growing would suggest that my last statement may be short-lived. The genre which was developed in the late 1970s by the late Ras Shortiai merges East Indian tassa drums with African Congos and other percussion and melodic elements from several cultures. Sonically, the sound is a true representation of the country itself. Like all other genres of music, it has evolved and spread over the past four decades. One thing that has driven the rapid popularity of the genre is strategic and creative marketing, from brightly colored music videos to PR campaigns and deliberately timed festivals on every continent, save for Antarctica, it is evident that the machine behind soca music is working, and working well. One of the chief architects in spreading the creed of soca is Adana Asan. Adana is the CEO of Creativa Media PR arguably one of the most powerful entities in promoting and shaping the careers of some of the artists in the upper echelon of the genre. I sat with Adana on the balcony of a guest house on the island of Anguilla. It was the morning after an electrifying concert that featured several soca artists. She had every reason to cancel because of exhaustion. However, being the consummate professional, she greeted me with a smile and was eager to tell her story. I was eager to hear. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Tell us your journey. Uh, Where did it start? Um, okay, so I think at some point of my life, like I wasn't very certain about what I wanted to do. I know I wanted to do something great, um, and I know that I wanted to affect and effect and influence something or someone, ones, um, but I just wasn't sure what I was. So it took me a little time to kind of find myself and figure out exactly where I wanted to go. The thing is... As a child, I was always very talkative, extra talkative. I was always the one that everybody would have to say, like, yo, shut up, you know? <laughs> we watch on TV, you can shut up. I was always very um, emotional, you know? And as I grew up, I realized that, you know, the things that people used to kind of complain about or make fun of, you know, are really my strong points. So fast passing secondary school and um, still trying to figure out myself. I remember one day I said, oh, you know, I think I would really be good at, at um, like PR, you know, um, because I speak well and I had this whole idea of, you know, wanting to start like my own print magazine. And at that point in time, like, I mean, I had no money. And I told my dad this big dream and he was like, I'll give you some money until we started to do research and realize, like, yo, this is going to be very expensive if you don't have, like, ads being sold or sponsors or whatever. So, you know, that passed. I remember having a conversation with 
somebody who's a very dear friend of mine now. She lives in New York. Her name is Natasha Andrews. And at that point in time, she owned her and her then husband had a management company and um, management and music production called Mastermind Productions. And um, I met her because at that point in time, she was managing one of my cousins who lived in New York, who sang soca. And I told her this crazy idea. And she was like, oh, you know, um, well, if you want to do PR, I could let you, you know, work with the artists that come through our doors. Um, and I'd never written a press release before. And I had all these ideas. And I think I was really, really great in my mind. <laughs> and she... Um, she gave me my first press release to write and she struck down the entire release just based on her experience. And she said, well, you know, I think that you could do this better. You should change this. You could do that. And she really gave me a lot of constructive criticism. And after doing it once, twice, three times, you know, it's kind of like learning how to ride a bike. And, um, yeah, that kind of exploded into me then, you know, being referred by her and her then husband to, you know, everybody that came through their doors. So, um, you know, at that point in time, you know, it could have been anyone, you know, because they were working with Shuin and Bungie and all of the other people, you know, um, it could have been anyone. I was just there just waiting. I always had like a regular job, you know, mm-hmm. I was doing whatever, eight to four, you know, trying to find myself, you know, and um, during that time I said, you know what, I want to go to school and I really just want to get the foundation. I want to learn the fundamentals. So I did my associate degree in journalism and PR. And, you know, while everything else was going on and I'm changing jobs and trying to find myself, you know, I was still writing press releases and figuring out, you know, where I wanted to be in the sphere of things. And um, I remember when my first press release was uh, published in a newspaper or something and Natasha told me, she was like, oh, you should Google yourself. And I Googled myself and I saw my name pop up and I was like, damn, you're on the shit. You're on the internet, you know? Because, <laughs> you know, the internet was like coming. At that point in time, it was like, real, yeah, you know, very, sure. very popular. This was, you know, in the early 2000s-ish, so like 2006, seven, somewhere around there. You know, and I was very young. As well, you know, I finished secondary school at 16, and then I was, like, in my first job, maybe somewhere around 17, mm. and just kind of trying to figure out myself, 18, 19. So, um, that's ideally what happened, and then just based on writing and referrals and Natasha referring me, I absolutely tell people, like, she's my mentor, but she's also, like, one of my very, um dear friends like she's my one of my best friends I can go to her for anything so he'll refer me and saying hey you know I really believe in Adana I kind of started to just work for more people and more people you know and I started to get my work published and you know kind of tried to figure out how to maneuver through you know um not working formally in PR or communications um because I had like random jobs so like I worked in the ministry of education and then I worked in a debt collection and then I worked in a oil and rigging company and I I with immigration and you know I've settled somewhere like before I branched off into like being self-employed you know I, I'm all over the place with this and then you know I reached my sensible place of employment as far as like being involved in music and PR and all of that when I worked at the copyright music organization of Trinidad and Tobago yeah cut as the communications officer mm. and that was the most sensible job that I had as far as my 
uh, qualifications were concerned because I went ahead and I did my bachelor's in media and communication at a school in Trinidad, a college in Trinidad, but it was through the University of Greenwich. Mm -hmm. So I had my bachelor's from there. Um, and then it's just in between, you know, doing like random stuff. And that's a long answer for, you know, <laughs> your question. No, no, that's, that's, that's fine. That's, that's fine. where it started, you know. So growing up in Trinidad, um, well, how did growing up in Trinidad inform your creative process? Oh, I think it had everything to do with it. I feel as though, like, if I lived anywhere else, even the thoughts as an adult living somewhere else is a little petrifying, if that makes sense. I think we all have our fears, you know. And then picking up and going somewhere else and starting over completely um, from scratch is, is terrifying mm. for me. But I do believe that, you know, the way that I grew up, like I grew up in a house where my father is very, very creative. Not to say that he's in music or anything like that, but he is a creative. So he's a masked man. Um, and not pretty bikini and feathers masked man, but he plays like all pretty Indian, like yeah. authentic um, Indian masks. Um, and he's been doing it for like a number of years. So I grew up seeing him like going to the mask camp or building masks at home, fluffing feathers, cutting out diamond tees, cutting out um, patterns to put on his clothes, going down to the mask camp and, you know, building masks for other masqueraders. He also loves pan. So every pan that beat literally any part of Trinidad, he's always there with his crew. And then I grew up in a house when with him just playing all types of music a lot of vintage calypso and a lot of you know old soca and i remember having a lot of cassette players and and um records and especially in the car he would put he would put a cassette on and when we in that car on whatever journey and a calypso playing he would be like listen to the words you know mm. um you know you understand what he mean about this i mean a lot of these some of the calypsos were very smutty so he couldn't explain everything right 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 but there was some that he would say you know adana like because my dad and i we have like a very we're very very close so then a lot of time in the car with him alone if that makes sense and he would say, listen to this. So I, I became very fascinated with the art of storytelling, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that kind of opened up my mind to, wow, there's this world of a whole lot of amazing people who have great voices or who are very, very brave. And they could share the story. And I feel as though, like, in my mind, I always subconsciously wanted to be part of that. Not necessarily being a star going on stage or whatever. Um... But yeah, and then I had a little stint with singing Calypso. It was really my love. Um, and I played Pam for a little while, tenor. Uh, and all of that just kind of, you know, Mishmashed yeah, yeah, into made me appreciate um, where I'm from, you know, so that now when you go other places, it's kind of like down. We have something special at home, you know? Nice. With other more lucrative genres out there, yeah. why soca? Um. In terms I of mean, PR. Why not soca? The thing is, like, I'm very open to working with um, other genres, you know. I just ended up in soca because of where my journey started, you know. So it was, as I said, I explained it with Natasha Andrews and the whole mastermind where I started. They were doing soca. They were also doing soca parang, you know. Um, so that's, I started off there. So I made my name I when I you know figured out how to get into the door it was just in that 
niche um but i am very open to like working on other genres but i feel as though i'm based in trinidad so of course with everything you have some constraints you know um so still i still have to kind of figure out my ways to maneuver through dealing with other genres and dealing with other cultures as well it's a whole different thing like you can't be a, a publicist dealing with reggae and then you don't know you know all the ins and outs as far as the industry is concerned who to deal with in jamaica about xyz all right who who you have to brag we have to do i mean i just because we're talking about a, in a music industry where you know there's so many unspoken rules there's in so reali- many yeah. realities yeah yeah there's there are a lot of gatekeepers Payola. you know um yeah there's a lot of expectations for payola and as a publicist that's something that i absolutely do not believe in you know i believe like if you're good you're good you know and you know, if you find the right strategies and the correct approaches, somebody is going to pay attention. It may take you a little longer, but I feel as though when people open up their eyes, it might the interactions will be way more genuine, um, and the responses will be way more genuine than paying somebody. You know? Right. Um, so that's that's really why it's not why why soca or why not soca. You know, um, and I love trying to um, to add my influence in the genre because I know what we have here. You know, sometimes I listen to music um, outside of our region and I would hear hints of soca. You know, you listen to the Biebers and the Drakes and you hear and you sing, you know, and you might hear a little steel pan. Uh, I remember listening, I think, to one of Kodak Black songs. It's like heavy, it's heavy. Yeah, this heavy steel pan there. You know, and Nobody is saying where it comes from, you know, like they, they're calling it all kind of shit. <laughs> Tropical, exactly. And nobody is saying where it comes from. They're not giving credit. When they when they mess around with dance or or, or reggae, you know, they give it that respect, yeah. you know. They give it. And I mean I no no disrespect to anyone. I mean Jamaica has done a good a good job as well with their um, entertainment tourism. I give them that. You know, um but then why not, you know, I know what we have here. I know I look at Calypso Rose and I see him. Coachella. You know, yeah, I'm seeing Coachella and she's touring all through Europe at her age and the way that, you know, a lot of these people in the French markets don't even understand what she's saying, but there's something special, there's something yeah. intangible that they feel as though they still want to try to hold on to even though they can't, you know? So, yeah, that's so, my answer. What was your aha moment when you realized that this PR thing could actually work? Yeah! <laughs> I did. Like, I remember getting, uh, I remember, I don't know, what was my aha moment? Okay, um, I rem- I, I always say the first time I got paid for, a, for my service, I realized that, okay, you're doing something that's worth doing. And it wasn't about the money, it was about the fact that people respected what you did and saw that it was worth something that they should pay for. Um, and I know that's a broad answer, but that's really it, you know. Um, another aha moment for me probably happened like a couple of years ago, maybe it was like three years ago, when um, I was working cars, I was made redundant, um, and then, you know, because I needed to merge my department with another department. And I was told, well, you know, you should reapply. I know that I would have gotten back the job, but being home for like two months, waiting to see an ad, place that you know to figure out that oh well maybe a hundred other people gonna apply and they're still gonna have to compete with people and just being in that space at home made me realize uh no 
I think you should try something on your own. Mm. And um, I remember going to Jamaica with Patrice. And um, like something happened at the show. And uh, I was driving home. This is one of those trips where you went to, went to Jamaica the day before. And then you literally went and do the gig and came back home the day after. So I parked my car in the airport. I was driving home like real beating up myself because like, I can't remember what happened, but something happened. And um, I got home and went up into my bedroom. I live with my parents still. And my mom, I saw a postcard. I saw an envelope on, on the bed addressed to me. And when I looked at it, I, I knew it was my mom's handwriting. So I opened up the, the envelope and there was a postcard. And in the postcard, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but it was basically her saying, I know she's very proud of me and to follow my dreams and whatever the case may be. And she placed money in, in the postcard. And I'm not talking about like thousands of dollars. I swear to you, maybe it was like a couple hundreds, right? Maybe like $500 or so, TT. And she put it in the envelope. And I just started to cry because I, I whatever happened in Jamaica just kind of had me like thinking like oh no you know um, of course things could throw you off and I remember just crying 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 and that endorsement from her because my mother is a very to the book kind of person mm. you need to have a good government job mm. you need to go and study you need to do this you need to do that so having her say okay. I understand this and I support you. That also was an aha moment. Even though it's not linked to career-wise, but emotional, emotionally, that was something. Um, so, yeah, I gave it to In one of your interviews, you said that creative PR, mm -hmm. or you as a PR um, professional, you're very different and you're very unique. <laughs> so unconventional. What do, you, what do you mean by well, that? Well, I feel like... Um, People who came up in the ranks of working in, in like a PR agency or studying communication, for the most part, when they think about it, it's like very corporate, corporate conservative. You know, I it's very difficult for me to do like a regime, if that makes sense. And maybe that's like a creative thing, um, but I can't do the shirt and tie, the suit every day, the you must be here for eight hours and sit here and do this. Um, and even the way that I approach writing a release or the way that I send it out or the way that I might pitch something I've heard like little murmurs you know like who she feels she is you know who <laughs> 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 she feels she is this little girl you know uh, I mean and I respect because of course you know um, there were there are those that came before us and they had to find their way to make sense and I have to find my way to make sense too and I'm dealing with an industry that what you do for corporate is not going to work, you know, or it may not work, or you have to adapt, or you have to adjust. So I always, tell, I always tell people that I'm very unconventional and out of the box, and I'm very much frowned upon, and I'm perfectly fine with that. You seem to merge PR with management. <laughs> like, you like kind of blur the lines there. It's very blurred. How did that happen, or did that... Was that part of the plan? No, it was It was never part of the plan. What happened is that, you see somewhere earlier, I explained to you that I'm very emotional, right? Mm. So, there are people that you can pay for a service, and there's not, you get nothing from them as far as emotions is concerned. Because, I mean, it's, it's a job, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, I mean, we all say, you know, makes business and pleasure. Okay, fine. But I have to actually be all in with a project or feel a certain way about a client or feel a certain way about a song. 
um, to even be able to work. If I if somebody sends me a song, I'll be like, oh, I like, uh, you know, I need a press release for the song, and the song is terrible. I, I can't write for days. I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, what, what should I tell people about this? And I'm, okay. But, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, boy, if I don't even believe in it, I can't even start to convince somebody else that it's worth giving a shot, you know? Um, so I am very, um, yeah, so I have to like you. Yeah, my song, Real Bad, um, I, have to, I have to like things about you. I have to like a project. I have to like a song in order for it to, in order for me to... It's almost a to, spiritual connection. Right. That has to be uh, there are times when I would be in my bed and and jump up so I, I and, and then just start to write so you know um so explaining that is to tell you that like the clients who have had for a very long time so like Cohen Dubois um he is like somebody who have, who have who I have been working with for a very long time but he's also one of my dearest friends you know I know his family I know his children I know his brother I know his you know, some of his closest friends. I would like we we talk about things. You know, if I'm having a hard day or if something happens, I can pick up the phone and call him. Because over time, we evolved into being friends. And if we take the business out of it, we will still be friends. You know, um, and I've been with him maybe like about eight years or almost nine years or so. You know, mm. um, sounds like very long. I'm young, but um, and with Patrice as well, it's the same thing. I met her through Cohen. And it started off like very. I need a I need a bio and I need a, I need a press release. Could you come because I want to do you know this 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 these are my plans. And then over the years it evolved into, okay well, I want some advice on this. I had nothing to do with PR, just based on my personality. And then it just kind of evolved into something bigger. Do I manage anyone? No, like I really don't. We don't use. Um, titles. Even in, in Patricia's life, we don't use titles. So people just know, well, if you need this, you can talk to Adana, you know? And if you ask her, she'd be like, Representative. Adana. Yeah, a representative. <laughs> but we don't brag and boast about titles. We just know what it is, you know? Um, people have approached me to manage them, and it's just kind of like, I don't know, maybe later on, but, you know, sometimes people kind of use a measuring stick and they watch, well, you know, uh, Adana is working for some for, for this person who's very popular and I want exactly this, right. you know? And I can't give everybody exactly that. You know, when you're working you're giving away pieces of yourself too. So it's kinda like a songwriter. When I write a song for somebody be like, Oh well I gave piece of me. I feel like when I work for people it might sound so random and weird and people might listen to this and be like, skill is a weirdo. But I feel as though you know, what I do, I, I give away pieces of myself yeah. because I love what I do so much. So that's really how the lines got blurred. And maybe, you know, some people might be like, uh, she um, she making a mistake. But it doesn't happen with, with everyone. I have clients. I have people who I have, like, real, real good relationships with. And, and they ask me, Dana, you can work with me with so, with, with, on this project. And I'll be like, nah. I can't do that because I already know we're going to have problems. Yeah. Like, you're my friend. Just because of personality yeah, clashes yeah. and stuff. You're my friend. We're going to have problems. I'm not going to do that, you know? And then I have people who I'm very good friends with. And I said, Anna, you know, and based on their personality, like, yeah, dumb, you know? So, yeah. those. Who, so, those well, that was my next question. Who are some of your clients? I work with Cohen, Dubois, Patrice Roberts. Um, uh, pretty, I've done work for Farmer Nappy. I've done some work for <laughs> Nadia. 
she's a she's a darling. I've done work for Marvin. Brilliant, Rachel. Marvin from Barbados. Yeah. Ricky T. So some work for Lava Man. Um, and still doing work for Lava Man is always a situation where if they need something, you know, is is whatever. And I do events sometimes. So I was working on this project in Trinidad. I did it for, I think, like three years called Decibel. Uh, I do Great Fat Weekend in Tobago. Yeah, which is a five-day event. So I do, like, the artist liaison, PR, event liaison kind of situation. Um, and I know I forget some people. Oh, there's an amazing young lady from Tobago. Amazing vocalist. Her name is Adana. Yeah. Um, so I do work with her as well. Uh, there's another young lady who is coming up. Uh, I've done work with her, Melly Rose. Uh, is Loop Titi one of your go-to spots? Oh, Loop Titi, Laura is my girl. Okay, no. Because so. I'm just realizing that a lot of the artists you call it. Like, like Adana, for example, the first person I saw was Loop Titi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's like, there must be some relationship. Well, yeah. well I mean, Loop Titi is, uh, when we think about like entertainment, um, related oh, OMG TTs are to to go and uh, well OMG, but we don't have much like entertainment websites and stuff anyway. So you know, I mean, of course, you know, you're gonna go where you need to go first to get the most amount of traction before you go to like regular. Was there an intimidation factor, either approaching artists or kind of thrusting yourself into the industry? Yeah, um, always, but uh, for some strange reason, I've never really. Now I approach artists, but in the beginning when I started, like I never really had to approach anybody. It was always based on referrals. Right. So somebody would say, oh, well, you know, talk to Adana or I'll call Adana for you. So I never really had to go and pitch to somebody. Now, sometimes I would reach out to someone and be like, hey, you know, I notice XYZ, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm a publicist, I do this, I do creative conceptualization, and, you know, I feel as though I can be of a benefit to you. Yeah, they've said no, but I mean... <laughs> I've heard some no's, I've heard some yeses as well. But um, in the beginning, I I never really... Oh, I approached Cohen, but we were friends already, and mm. I told him, I was like, listen, you need a publicist, and for you and I are not exactly sure how that would look, but you have to make me do it. And I kind of bullied my way into it. Um, but other than that, like now, as I'm looking at what I do as a business... You know, of course, I am trying to put myself out there more and, you know, approach people so that there can be some level of consistency in what I do as well, you know. Because I don't have an 8 to 4 again by choice. I mean, I could resort to going back to one if I wish, but I really don't want to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not to make dollars and cents too. So, yeah. Is traditional media dead? We need it still, you know. We, we need it still, um, but of course it's competing with, you know, the fact that we're in a very digital sphere, you know. Um, I believe that we, I believe that it is dying, but it's not dead. And I believe that at some point in time there might be a resurgence mm -hmm. as well. Because people may become very bored with being so completely distracted all the time. It's kind of like we went from... If I'm explaining it properly, so the records was a big thing back, you know, when I was growing up. And then it kind of was phased out by yes, cassettes and CDs and, 
MP3s, and then now you're seeing like there's this big. Ooh, people are collecting records. records again, and it's a big deal. So it's almost like it's you're going out. around. Yeah, you're going around in a circle. Same thing like fashion is revolving. My mother would look at me wearing something and be like, I don't know why I didn't save my clothes that I had from like 1987. I put this on an bed. I could give it to you. You paying five hundred dollars for that? You know. So it's the same thing with you know media. I feel as though even though there may be a dip. Any way that people interact with newspapers or radio, or whatever the case may be, it's still a source of, it's still a necessity because, I mean, they're still alive. You know, so a lot of them still functioning. We still read the newspapers. We still listen to the radio. We still listen to the news. Um, so you're not official yeah. unless... Yeah, yeah. So I feel as though it's, it's still serving the purpose. I would be, like, very, very hypocrite to say that it's dead because I still resort to you know reaching out to the dailies you know and, and sending notifications to the radio stations and stuff like that so i'll be a liar to say that it's dead so the soca industry obviously is small yeah. especially the smaller islands yeah. a lot of people feel as if yeah but they know me i don't need to do that they know me they know you who i am Step your shit. How, how important is branding oh my god it's very branding it's very very important let me tell you i was driving here so i know she um, and I was driving, come off of the from taking from off the ferry from oh, and I saw this big ass billboard, and I hit up and I was like, "Yo, you have a friggin' billboard!" <laughs> I've never seen anybody like I've seen artists on billboards because of endorsements or whatever, but I've never seen an artist put up a billboard, you know, advertising their services. I thought that was very brave and very very bold, you know. And nobody wouldn't do that in Trinidad, you know. But I thought that that was really really Im- impressive. The funny thing is not even for Yeah, and it's not for Soka. It's for her weddings and her, you know, the fact that she sings in the hotels and stuff like that. Yo, I was taken aback, you know. Um, but it is very important. To brand yourself because I feel as though like what are you doing if you're only thinking about just being where you are like what is your end goal you know you're singing music just for the island you're on you know what happens if because there's always the thing where you could break through and you and you just don't even understand what happens so what happens if you know a record exec comes to your island and hears the song playing on the radio and they decide to seek you out you know um, are you prepared for that what about your high resolution images what about Begin a conversation, or express, or or explain who you are. You know, in a short read. What about those things? You know, um, luck happens when opportunity meets preparation. Well, yes, correct. You know, and a lot of people say, "Well, I'm praying for the best." But you gotta prepare for it. You gotta prepare for it too, right? Yeah. So um, I always say, just yesterday I posted a publicist posted something on Instagram, and I shared it in my stories about yes, you need those photos. Yes, you need those bios. Yes, you need those. You know, like I mean, what are you talking about? Who's telling you that you don't need it? You know, um, you just, you just have to be prepared. You know? And social media has become like so demanding. You feel pressure to just be on everything, and that's the other thing. Like you don't need to be on everything. You don't. You know, you don't need to be on 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 everything. I just recently joined back Twitter, just because you know it's part of my job to just monitor what people are saying about clients. You know, um, so I joined back Twitter. And I actually I'm in love with it now. You know, um, but I was more of a Facebook, Instagram, Instagram. I think Caribbean is more Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Instagram. And Instagram, of yeah. course. Yeah. I still think there needs to be a central hub. 
Of course, yeah. I think, I think so too. So I have a website as a publicist and um, I had to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to use it for? So I started writing industry-related blogs, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of putting a little bit of me in it and explaining and expressing things that are related to the industry. Your blog is called? It's on my website. It's creativamediapr.com and then I just have a tab that's for blogs and I've talked about my journey. I've talked about, you know... Um, finding your why, you know, I've talked about, like, purpose-related things, I've talked about, you know, um, how to approach interviews, you know, a um, couple of things that I could just go on and, 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 and read. I've shared a couple of press releases that I've written as well, but I just wanted to create a space where, you know, if an artist wants to ask a question... Uh, uh, before they ask the question, they can kind of skim through and be like, oh, you know, I'm kind of trying to figure out something. At least they can walk away with something, even if they don't want to engage my services immediately. At least you have an idea of maybe what you should do, you know. But I'll give away all the tea because then they wouldn't need a publicist at all in their mind. But um, I try to share a little bit of knowledge, you know, because I feel as though... Knowledge is nothing if you don't share it, you know. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it's nothing. You just go to the grave with it. But you have to impart and you have to share in order for it to be worth anything, in my opinion. How can artists, for those that are struggling, how can they discover their story? Yeah. Everybody has a story, you know. Like, I, it's, it's, it takes me just like a couple of seconds to talk to somebody and figure out, oh, I... I have something here that I can sell. I mean, of course, there are some people who are just a blank state and you have to figure out what what to do. But for the most part, everyone has a story. Like, I have this friend um, who I went to, to um, secondary school with. And he invites me to his music workshop that he does to, like, speak with the students about PR and stuff. And every year, I've, I've done it for him, I think, twice. Yeah, I did it for him twi- either twice or three times. I can't remember. And every year, I go, I give the same story because it's a new cohort every year about him because hmm. his story is so amazing so we were in the same secondary we went to same secondary school same class he wasn't he it wasn't a music class and he loved music so every free period every lunchtime every after school he used to go down to the music room learn how to read music play the piano play pan he started arranging segue into going uh studying he went overseas went to new york he studied music he came back he set up his business he's a secondary school music teacher he's a thriving business he did not go to school for music when he started and i always used to be like oh my god he's such a weirdo what he always doing in the music room i used to play steel pan in secondary school so every time i go down there he's there arranging i say no you hit this wrong or he's playing the piano and the beat going one way and he's off beat and i'm like what is he doing and then I was like, wow. Passion. And I was talking to him the other day, and I was like, wow. Like, every time I go to his class, I always give the same story. And everybody has a story, you know. Um, it's just finding yourself and not trying to be a carbon copy of somebody else, you know. I feel as though, like we're all unique, flaws and all. We all have something that somebody else doesn't have, you know. And we all could do something a little differently. If you're aware then own your awareness if you you know like whatever you have sometimes we look at all we look at things and we think that they're all flaws but sometimes we just don't realize that they're blessings what do you say to the artist that says i can't afford pr okay 
You know, I would tell them, you know, I hope that you can find a way legally or the time. I hope that you do recognize at some point in time that even if you're trying to get away from it now, you're going to have to revert back to it at some point in time. Right. You know, you're going to reach a juncture where you can't do it for yourself. The approaches that you're using right now are not working. You and then you just need somebody to just come in and third man it fair, or in this case, woman, third woman it fair. <laughs> so I'll be like, okay, I understand. I mean, it's a hard industry, and not everybody has money, you know. Um, so I understand. What's next in media? What's next in media? Yeah, what's the next big thing? Like a couple of years ago, we all thought Vine was gonna be okay if you're not on Vine. Yeah. You're not anything, and then Instagram just shut them down yeah. with the six second stories, and then boom, Instagram was it. I have, I don't know. I have not noticed. Is it TikTok? Is it? Because <laughs> I've never, I've not dabbled on those, and then you see like sometimes, like in our region, you know, we kind of catch on late. Yeah. Exactly because I mean, Facebook was popular in the college market. You know, when I when a friend sends me an invite to join, you know, um, and I was on there for for a while before it became popular and popular and popular and all these millions or billions or how many other people on it. I do not have the answer for that question, but you know what? I'm going to look because <laughs> I, I don't know. I probably might need to talk to like. My niece, I have a 13 year old niece yeah. who lives in Texas, and I probably need to ask, like, yo, what are your friends using now to see if, you know, if maybe because she's in the US, so I think I'll have to talk to my niece. Well, what's next for Adana? Yeah, I just want to be happy, man. I just want to, I want to travel the world, I want to impart knowledge, um, I want to share, I want to teach people. Um, I also want to just find my space, you know. I feel as though like I've done some good things, but I want to do great things, mm. you know. Um, I want to create a bridge that can take people who are looking to do great things to that next place, you know. And that's, I know that it sounds so broad but that's the only way that I can explain it I don't want to say like I want to take soak and global because everybody's saying that right um, and it's a dream of everybody but if I could create a bridge that could just help someone to go from one place to the other then I think I'm happy so I want to I want to continue doing that I want to travel I want to impart knowledge I really have been so with the ideas of like going to a lot of the OECS um, countries, what we call smaller islands. Doing seminars. Yeah, doing or, seminars yeah. and workshops and stuff. Needed. So yeah, so it's something that I definitely want to start looking into and figuring out who to partner with, you know, um, so that I can get that off of the ground and just just share, you know. Sometimes people have a question and they, and they have no idea who to ask. Mm. You know, um, I, feel like I've, I feel like I've done a, a bit of work and I've made a couple mistakes and I'm still making mistakes and I'm still learning. And I feel like I could share. I'm not a know-it-all. You know, any of anybody who knows me would say, like, if they ask me something and I don't know, I would tell you, I don't know. 
but give me two days and I'll find out. Tell me an artist outside of Soka. Mm-hmm. Any artist that you'd like to work with. Oh my god. It's crazy, right? So in dance hall, five scatel. As as shocked as people might be, like my friends. Five scatel, bounty killer. Just because like with bounty people think that he's so rough on me, you know? Um yeah, cartel, just because, I mean, he's cartel. He's locked up and he's still, you know... Ruling the world. That's right. Um, in the African market, I love Yummy, mm. uh, Boy. Mm. Uh, I mean, nobody could leave out Davido from the equation either. Tia Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, in... The U.S. market, even though he's not doing uh, music, but he's still an entertainment, Will Smith. Um, just because you always see him impart in knowledge. Like, he does so much different things. Film and, you know, all his other businesses. Um, that's off the top of my head, you know. Uh That's cool. Thank you. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet 30. Our email address is onplanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com.